Tom Bernard show with JB, Mike Molina, and Andy Brant Bernard, and Mike Bryant on hold, and we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Kick things off, Tom Bernard show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Stills, Nash, and Young, right? It's 48 years today. 48 years today, the the Ohio Massacre or whatever. Nick Saban was there. Nick Saban was there. Yeah, he was at Kent State. You are correct, sir. The Ohio Massacre? Kent State Massacre. Kent State, yeah. I was going to say, what? (laughs) They were supposed to uh, use rubber bullets, and uh, some of the National Guard did not use rubber bullets. They used real bullets and killed four people. Pow, pow. Not, yes, pow, pow, <laughs> indeed. Amazon wants people to trust delivery drivers to drop off packages inside their houses and their cars, and maybe one day we will, but they sure as hell better clean up stuff like this. A guy named Richard Gutfield from Buckinghamshire, England, got home last Friday, found his miniature schnauzer puppy named Wilma was missing. And he quickly figured out what happened when an Amazon delivery driver was dropping off a package of dog food he stole the dog. <laughs> Richard started contacting Amazon over and over, and eventually he got them to pay attention and retrace the driver's steps using the GPS from his truck. They tracked him down, and his boss returned Richard's dog. Amazon says the driver worked for an independent delivery company, and they wouldn't do business with them anymore. There's no word on whether Richard is planning to get the cops involved. Why would you use independent delivery firms for Amazon? That's a good question. Maybe he lived in, like, some... Buckinghamshire, Buckinghamshire. Is, that, is that in the Not middle of nowhere? En- well, no, it's a big enough town. I don't know what the hell he's doing that for. Buckinghamshire, is, yeah, 500,000, so... Yeah, it's 500,000 people. That's big enough, isn't well, it? <clears throat> it's bad enough that the Amazon people they that they do hire will leave a package anywhere. Anywhere. It's pretty much true. <laughs> I mean, the only person that I've ever heard do something like that, steal a dog or whatever, is Michael Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know what that. Is. So, what's happening, man? Not much. Just calling in to see how the day is going. Why yesterday did, was fun. Fun what, to listen to. Why? Who was? 
yesterday was fun to listen to. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so why didn't you just come in? You just sitting back uh, having a mint julep? Uh, no, getting I ready, wish. Getting I've ready for Stillwater. I've been Stillwater, holding for St. Cloud. Now I'm going to Egan. So it's a you know it's a it's the fun life of driving all over the place. Were you at the prison in Stillwater? No, I was at court. Ah, uh, damn it, Stillwater. I was going to tell you, say hello to all my old classmates. <laughs> doing a little big, doing some big time up in Stillwater. There's no doubt about it. I don't know. I, I went into. Go ahead. I, I at one time I knew people in Oak Park Heights, but there at uh, the one guy that in, that I knew in Oak Park Heights, he's I believe doing all, the rest of his life in uh, Supermax in Colorado. Yeah. I went into the troublemaker section of Stillwater once to go get something signed by a client. That was scary. That oh. was like signing from the lamb type. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody throw sperm at you? Not that I'm aware of. Well, that's good. <laughs> so unlike not Silas that I would of... admit to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You wouldn't admit to it anyway. That's true. Uh, yeah, I that Silence of the Lamb scene is a little hard to watch, man. It's a hell of a movie, though. Yep. There yep. is no doubt about that. Um, so you're driving to Egan now? Is that true? driving driving from St. Cloud to Egan? That's the that's the the next step. So that's the next step. That's it. so. So you talk to people you may represent, or is that how is that how your business works? Sometimes. I don't even know. Yeah, well, I, I meet with clients, or that, you know, I go look at scenes, or I was see. So far today, I got uh, went to. Uh, went to court, then I went and met with new clients, and I went to the office, and now I'm going to go meet some clients, and then I've got to go look at the scene, and then I'll uh, head to the house and see how the boys are doing. So, yeah, there you go. So, Mike, who are you picking tomorrow? Wrapping up. Who do you got tomorrow at Churchill Downs? I, You know, I haven't spent enough time uh, to figure out where I'm going tomorrow. Since I'm not going to be there, I'm not, like, all prepped for it like I was last year. Yeah. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I've got to still look at it some more. Um, I'm interested in a couple of horses tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. I kind of wish I was. I was looking at watching the Oaks today. Yeah, that's right. Because you went down last year for I did. for a few days, didn't you? Yeah, I went down. I we went down on Thursday and came back on. Uh, I must have been on Sunday or Monday. So yeah, I took my aunt. That was something she always wanted to do for her whole life. And I took my aunt down there, and it was it was a great. It was it was a fabulous place. And my favorite time was after the Derby was done and everybody left. And the yeah. last couple races were just the uh, people that hang around racetracks. That's when I liked it there. Oh, it was yeah. beautiful. It was I could see that. Place. I could sure. see that being a, a great time, actually. Yep, it was fun. It was a great time, and it was uh, it was great to see the Derby and just the whole experience down at Churchill Downs is just really cool. So I kind of the drunk millennials got got on my you know got on my nerves a couple of times, but we dealt with that. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I don't know how many years it was, but uh, I used to be the stadium announcer at Churchill Downs. Oh, at Churchill Downs? Yeah, they, they when you would go there, it was many years ago. It was like back in the eighties, I think, something like that. But I would be the one going, "Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Churchill Downs." Nice. Yeah, for a long time. That was I did that at Arrowhead Stadium. Matter of fact. A couple of players told me, oh, my God, I got sick of hearing you say it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Arrowhead Stadium, brought to you by Lee Jeans. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I did a lot of that. Most of those places, as a matter of fact. I'll get the boombox for everybody who walks into the office. Welcome to Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome to Bradshaw and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, please remove your hats as we play the national anthem. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really, really good. Ooh, wait a minute, Andy. Bring up that scathing editorial. The Denver Post editor has resigned. What is this all about? I don't know anything about this. Uh, In what he calls a terribly sad day, the editorial page editor, the Denver Post, tendered his resignation yesterday, the culmination to a tumultuous month at the paper. Chuck Plunkett, uh, his departure was announced in an email from Leanne Colacciopo, Oh, yeah, her name is Leanne Colacciopo. You don't want to mess with her. (laughs) 
The uh, paper's editor per the Post, Plunkett, who's been with the newspaper for 15 years, didn't get into the details of an interview. Being the editorial page editor of the Denver Post was a years-long goal of mine, and I thoroughly loved the position, he says. He added that he didn't want to go and that he'd hoped to mature in the role and create an editorial page that Denver and Colorado could be proud of. His stepping down took place after a scathing post editorial in April that ripped into the paper's vulture capitalist parent company. Yeah, you don't want to rip into the parent (laughs) company. What the hell? Yeah, not a good idea there, Chuck. Uh, He ripped into the vulture capitalist parent company, Alden Global Capital, which owns Post. Uh, owner Digital First Media. That editorial slammed management for not being willing to do good journalism and encouraged it to sell the paper to a company that would. Plunkett offered more details to the New York Times, revealing he resigned after another editorial he'd slated for this Sunday was nixed by a Post executive. The new editorial addressed Alden's slashing of newsroom jobs despite profitability in its attempts at censoring the Post newsroom and the recent firing of another DFM editorial page editor, Dave Krieger of the Boulder Daily Camera, for a similarly biting editorial. What they were asking was for me to be quiet, he said, for me to just sit quietly by would be hypocritical, he added to the Post. I hope all the journalists who have worked for the uh, Post and continue to toil in this difficult environment can continue to do good work. Yeah, you don't want to be... Although, to tell you the truth, I do rip the parent company all the time. <laughs> yeah, so. you do. I, you know, maybe I should stop doing that. I might get the hook. Well, then you, know you get a severance package. You editorials, though. Ooh, that'd be good. I get a severance package. Mm-hmm. You think I get a severance package at, like, 10 years' salary? No. That'd be good. No, you don't think, Michael, that's going to happen? No. Nope. No golden parachute? Damn it. How about five years? Uh, probably, you know, six months. Six yeah. months! Severance, yeah. I think, maxes out at maybe a year. Damn it. Yeah. I did not see that coming, though, that that story would be about a guy ripping into the parent company of the paper he works for. <laughs> <laughs> and the great thing about it is, if you say it on the air, you go, oh, I was only kidding. But if you write it down and right. put it in the newspaper, it's pretty hard to say, yeah, I was only kidding. Especially when you control the printing of, the, of it, too. <laughs> well, it's not just yes. that you wrote it. Yeah, that's right. It's not just enough that you wrote it. You printed it, too. Yeah, Ben Franklin, that baby. Yeah, that's not the greatest idea in the world, but, you know, such is life. How hard could it be to be the head of the editorial page, you know? I mean, like, every third editorial is Tom Bernard sucks. Yeah. I mean, every Star Tribune, every Star Tribune editorial is Tom Bernard sucks. That's exactly right. So how tough can it be to write those editorial or comment section? Tom sucks, Tom sucks, Tom sucks, Tom sucks. Yeah, that's fine. It gives you something to do. It gives all the kids something to do. And, you know, it, uh, whatever works. Right? So did you, did you cover that NRA story with Pence? I don't, I haven't seen that story. Is it, is they, it today? Banned, they banned guns while Pence is there, which, I, why do you have Pence there if you have to ban guns? Well, that, I, I don't I understand agree. that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I, I would. so they banned guns. He was going to speak to the NRA and they banned guns during his speech? At the convention. Yeah, at well, the convention. And that, they argued that, you know, people could get in that would be scary, and I agree. I, I mean, you have to protect the vice president. I have no question about that, but I just don't understand... Why invite him if that's what you have to then do? It's like, isn't that kind of the slippery slope? Not. Let me run something by as an attorney, and let me get your opinion on this. We had a delivery done to the house the other day, and my house is gated, so when they come in, the gate closes behind them. Yep. Right? But I didn't take the delivery, so I don't know what it was all about or whatever. But I did look out and notice there, there was a car in our parking spot, and the guy was just sitting there. I couldn't really see the guy, but he was I could see he was kind of staring at his phone. And I thought, mm-hmm. why won't this guy leave? Why would you stay inside someone's gate? Why wouldn't he just leave and go pull on the street if he's going to be checking his emails and all the rest of it? So I went uh, and got my 357 Magnum and put it on the counter in the kitchen. Yeah. Right? Just in case the guy did something untoward, I would go, hey, you know what? Don't make me shoot you. Okay, so he pulls away and blah, blah, blah. And then I just didn't really think about it anymore. And then yesterday the cleaning people showed up 
Ooh. And I, as I was letting them in, I walking over to the door, I noticed the 357 was still there, and I, I put it away. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have been too good. They walk in, and there's a pistol sitting on the counter. But yeah, I mean, do, do you think that uh, it was just it was so odd that he would not go outside back on the street and then check his emails? I thought I don't trust this. Well, maybe this delivery guy was yeah. the same idiot that you know plowed out your driveway and. Oh, that guy. I should shoot that prick. <laughs> Honest to God, why don't you take up about half my grass with the plow, you Delivery don't. people don't move. Why no. don't they move? I had some guy deliver some packages to me at work, some letter jackets. And I'm sitting in my car eating lunch. I said, Mike, I'm finishing up lunch. I can actually see you because my car is facing the loading dock. I said, just take your... Take the boxes, put them on the loading dock, and you can go so I can finish my lunch. Because I said, I can see the boxes. Nobody's going to bother them. Right. And I called him back five minutes later. I said, Mike, you can go. He goes, no, I was just checking email and doing this No, you can't. can't. Get away from here because then you're going to wind up getting a ticket and being upset or you're going to block somebody else from getting to the dock. It's like. It makes no sense. Just go. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It just you can't sit here and go through your stuff, leave and then go check your stuff out on the street. That'd be good. That'd be wonderful. Um, which one of those stories should I read, Andy? I don't really know. Like this one's the newest. Okay. I yep. didn't see anything about banning guns, though. President Trump and Vice President Pence are delivering speeches at the annual NRA convention on Friday afternoon. The event is expected to draw about 80,000 owners and enthusiasts. It comes in the wake of several deadly mass shootings across the U.S. It will be Trump's first time speaking to the NRA since criticizing lawmakers for being too, uh, being afraid of the NRA at a February meeting held in response to the Parkland, Florida high school shooting. Yeah, they don't say anything about banning guns in these stories. The story yeah, that we found. Yeah, where I did, the story yesterday. Where did you see the story? On, on welfare television? <laughs> welfare TV, probably. I don't know. So. <laughs> By the way, smart guy, smart-ass uh, Doug Sprinthal yep. signed, signed me up for the tour. Oh, for the yeah, cure. I heard that. Your, your uh, code name. <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't. He, I can't say what my name was, but the the password, the password was welfare radio. <laughs> smart guy. <laughs> Give me a lame brain. <laughs> Typical Sprinthal. Well, he keeps giving my house away for part of I know he does. He keeps telling everybody where you live. It's like, what are you doing? All right, we'll be back. Can you stick around for a while, Mike? Yeah. Excellent. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. (laughs) 
That's not really singing. I don't know why they would claim that singing, but... Is that uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers? That's the Beastie Boys. Oh, that's right. It's Beastie Boys, I forgot. They had one wow. hit. Did, they just had that one hit, didn't they? No, they had a, They had two, three. Did they? A couple things, yeah. Yeah. Remember one of them spit on Dick Clark's wife backstage on American Bandstand. <laughs> wonder if it was MCA because he passed away six oh, years ago today. that's right. That's yeah. right. He died. I forgot about that. Hawaii's Kilauea volcano has erupted, prompting Governor David Ige, or Ige, or however you say his name, I-G-E, is it Ige, to declare a state of emergency and activate the National Guard. Soldiers have been called in to assist the, uh, with the mandatory evacuation of Leilani Estates neighborhood in the Puna district of Big Island, which is in danger of being inundated by lava, the Honolulu Star Advisor reports. The eruption sent lava flowing through the subdivision where vapor is emerging from cracks, and witnesses say they saw fountains of lava rising 150 feet. <laughs> Holy wow. God! Oh. Uh, from the cracks. Uh, reports the AP. Emergency shelters have been open for around 1,700 people affected by the evacuation. I gotta be honest with you. I like Hawaii, but there's no way I'm living on an island under a volcano. Yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> No, thanks. So, wait, is this the same guy, the governor, that did not know his password for Twitter? That's the one. Yeah, I think it is. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that is the one. Yep, same guy. The er- eruption follows hundreds of earthquakes over a period of several days, most of them around 2.0 uh, magnitude, CNN reports. The most severe was 5.0 magnitude earthquake Thursday morning, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. One local man tells uh, KHON2 that he flew his drone near a curtain of fire moving toward the residential areas. It he sounded, flew his drone. He flew his drone there, yep. I was it, right there. I was right there in my <laughs> drone camera. Yeah, okay, whatever. It sounded like if you were to put a bunch of rocks into a dryer and turn it on high as you could, he said. You could just smell sulfur and burning trees and underbrush and stuff. And stuff, really? <laughs> Uh, scientists say there's a lot of magma in the extremely active volcano's reservoir, and they're not sure how long the eruption will last. Again, what the hell are you doing living that close <laughs> to a volcano? Yeah. What are you thinking? Well, it only becomes active only so many times. So. Yeah, one time's enough to kill you. <laughs> I still think of Mount St. Helens when that erupted. There was a guy who lived on a mountain named Harry Truman. His actual name was Harry Truman. And they said, do you have to get off the money? He goes, I'm not going anywhere. They never found hide nor hair of old Harry <laughs> after the eruption yeah. of Mount St. Allen. Why all, would you what? All those people in Pompeii that are like, you know, standing there and running and, you know, they're all covered with stuff, you know. Yeah, they still they still are finding mm-hmm. people's people's yep. skeletons in at Pompeii. Yep. They've, they've dug up like entire little towns that were buried under the magma and there are cups on the table and there's skeletons sitting at the at the table and like whoa yeah i just i have no interest in living that close to a volcano sorry i wonder if they even knew back then though the volcano yeah did they like have a concept of maybe a volcano yeah Yeah, maybe not liquid hot magma Liquid hot magma. I was wondering if you were going to play that in Not liquid hot magma. Pompeii <laughs> <laughs> uh, was 79 AD, so that was a long time ago. That was a while back. So, yeah, it's uh, entirely possible they didn't even know what a volcano was. So, Michael, what do you think of this Giuliani thing? He, he thought he was doing well, damage control and it kind of backfired. And What, what well, was he doing? He was telling the truth, I think, is what was happening, and that's the problem, is the truth will not set people free. The truth is going to cause even more problems, and I just think he was saying what was going, what was happening, and uh, there's all, I, the, the problem started, well, the problem started with the whole deal, but the problem started is when Trump basically said, I had no idea, and I had no idea about the payment, and I think pretty clearly he did have no idea, idea about the payment, yeah. he knows why they did the payment. And um, maybe it was just a, so she would stop her lies, but I don't know. That's what he so. said. I paid her to stop her lies. Yeah. Why would so. you pay someone to stop their lies? Well, especially if you're big, if you're a very rich guy and you get pretty much anything you want. You see a porn star and you decide that's what you want. 
I don't think you're paying them to stop their lies. Well, That's plus the fact, thought. why do you care? I mean, did Bill Clinton ever pay anybody? He was banging everybody in sight. He never paid anybody, did he? No, oh, yeah, there were payments made to people. That, oh, there that, were. That was oh, I didn't part know. Of the, that. I think there were a couple payments made to people, if I remember correctly. Oh, that I didn't know. No. I just thought he was willy nilly, just going after everybody <laughs> he possibly could. Yeah, it's so, so amazing. Melania seemed to be bothered by it, so who knows? We'll yeah, well, there is that. I I just don't understand how the hell Clinton got away with all of that. There were well, dozens of women, and nobody cares. Well, he got impeached. I mean, yeah, so but I one mean, of the nothing. only presidents to get impeached. Nothing He's been attacked. Happened. I mean, you know, people say all sorts of things about him. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think it's been as scot-free as, you know, people say. There's also some questions about when things came forward. I, he got really vetted on the on the Flowers thing on, on uh, 60 Minutes. I mean, oh, yeah, Jennifer his presidency Flowers. was dead, and he came back. You know, so I don't know. You know, and the Lewinsky thing, uh, that's a weird deal because I – I mean, I, I completely recognize the power part of it and mm-hmm. that he was president in a powerful position. But mm-hmm. I think also she kind of liked what was going on, too, is, is uh, the way it looks. So, you know. Yeah, but the spooge on the dress. dress you know. on it. <laughs> Got the spooge on the dress. That's not yep. good news. That's, that's yeah. I don't think Catherine would handle that all that well if that happened to me. <laughs> I'm just telling yeah, you. I think- I think you'd probably have problems with that. I might have a problem or two if that happened to me. Hey, Tom, look at this. There's a little spazolia. Yeah, great. That's wonderful. I don't know. What are you going to do? Such is yep. life. But uh, yep. politics, Do you? Now, we were talking about this earlier uh, in the, f- the first couple of hours of the show. That in, um, And you're younger than I am, so I was a, I was a young kid, 10, 11 or whatever. When all this hatred in the '60s started, it was supposed to be the the summer of love and the love this yeah. and love that and blah blah blah, and people hated one another, and then they started killing public figures, mostly politicians. Yeah. But you can't really call Martin Luther King Jr. a politician. Sort of. I mean, he was a leader. He was a leader. Yeah. He was an unofficial politician. Yeah, I suppose he, he didn't was have a, a yeah, title, a but he still did he the was same basic activist. thing. Activist. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, but. He started mowing down everybody. Do you think? Do you think there's any chance that'll happen again? I hope not. I hope not. I, I mean, I really hope not. There isn't anybody out there, uh, either side, that say, "Oh, yeah, that's great." Um, you know. So yeah, I hope not. God, that would be um, but so horrible. Who knows? I mean, we got lunatics out there, and, mm-hmm. and they hear voices and they get told crazy things. I know. I just wish we'd calm down on all this. Oh, I hate that person so much. I can't well, like I said, I was having a discussion with a guy last night, and he asked me my political views, and I said I'm pretty much a centrist. And he said, that's a very unpopular position. Really? Like, for who? I, barely for everybody. You know, it's like, unless you're a locked-in Democrat or a locked-in Republican, uh, then you're screwed. Because apparently yeah. being a centrist is even worse than not being locked into one of those two. Yeah. I don't know. Well... There's always going to be someone opposed to what, you're, what you believe in. So Yeah, yeah no matter what you do and what you say. You're right. No matter what you do, what you say, you can't win. Yep. And that's so. just a fact. You can't, you're not going to end up winning any of these arguments. You're not, they're never going to like you in whatever the situation is. But I don't so. know. What can I tell you? Right? Uh-oh. That's true. I want to see the former coal baron story, Andy. Okie doke. Sit down there. Uh, apparently, uh, he ran an ad that people aren't too happy with. This is probably a non-issue, but Well, we'll whatever. find out. A former coal executive who served a year in prison and related to a 2010 mine explosion in West Virginia that killed 29 people is now denying claims of racism as he seeks the Senate seat in the state. In a new ad, Republican Don Blankenship cla- claims Swamp Captain Mitch McConnell has created millions of jobs... <laughs> He didn't say this. Swamp, what did he say he said? Swamp Captain Mitch McConnell has created millions of jobs for China people. Oh. He didn't say Chinese people. He said China people. China people. <laughs> so. Sounds like he just doesn't know how to speak correctly. Apparently not. Doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, in any case, while doing so, Mitch has gotten rich. In fact, his China family has given him tens of millions of dollars. Was he married to a Chinese woman? 
Uh, Taiwan, apparently. Oh, she's Taiwanese? She's not even Chinese? Well... They're attacking Mitch from the right. Depending on who you talk to, Taiwan and China are not different. Well, China feels that way, yeah. right? Yeah, China does feel that, that it's Chinese. Right. And in fact, Taiwan's official name... Let's see here. The Republic of China. So, <laughs> oh, really? Taiwan's <laughs> official name is the Republic of China. Yep. So, well, yeah. China gonna... is not happy if you call it not China. But I suppose that's true. But uh, they're but... attacking Mitch from the right. That sounds like it. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, represent uh, re- referencing Senate Majority Leader's wife, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, whose parents moved to the U.S. from Taiwan 60 years ago. Blankenship defended the ad Thursday, telling Roll Call, we're confused on our staff as how it can be racist when there's no mention of a race. Races are Negro. He said Negro. (laughs) 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 JB. I I told you that was on my birth certificate in Mm -hmm. 1962. Negro, that's right. Races are Negro, white, Caucasian, Hispanic, Asian. Chinese isn't a race. He's not wrong there. No, Chinese is not a race. It's absolutely right. It's, It's Asian, right? Yeah. Uh, Technically Han Chinese. Han Chinese. The attack comes as a McConnell-linked super PAC has branded Blankenship a convicted criminal and a hypocrite ahead of the May 8th primary. Blankenship is not running against McConnell, who represents Kentucky, but he's hoping to score points by running against the D.C. Swamp. Blankenship trails two mainstream GOP opponents, Attorney General Patrick Morisi, and Representative Evan Jenkins is in the polls. McConnell and other Republican leaders hope Blankenship loses because they fear it would kill the party's chance of defeating Democratic incumbent Joe Manchin in November. The paper notes Blankenship's attacks on McConnell are surprising since he once said he'd moved to China, where his fiancée is from. This clown is a walking, talking case study for the limitation of a prison's ability to rehabilitate. (laughs) That's a hell of a thing to say, don't you think? Wow. All right, Michael, we'll go do your work. We have to clear okay. the line for our for our guests. It's bad you can't be on with our guest. We're moving uh, a week from tomorrow, so yeah. it's a, yeah, who? an author named Scott Pally, P-A-L-Y. Not Scott oh. Pally, but Scott Pally. I'll uh, listen later. Thank Bye. you, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, uh, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant, you know what we're talking about. Uh, Scott Pally will join us in a couple of minutes. Get it together. Cultural and practical tips. Be a successful adult. Oh, wait a minute. I, I might. Uh, this might be useful to me, learning how to be a successful adult. That could change everything for me. <laughs> uh, but in any case, are we, we're calling him, right? Uh-huh. Okay, good. As soon as he's on. We've only got about a minute and a half left of this segment, but as soon as he's on, we can just introduce him and then uh, go to break and come back and do the entire interview, and that would be good. That'll work like a charm, as a matter of fact, if we can get a hold of them. Because, what are we, about a minute late? Something like that. Uh, Scott Pally's book is called Get It Together, Cultural and Practical Tips to Be a Successful Adult. Youth coach, author, analyst Scott Pally, author of Get It Together. Young people are far more likely than senior citizens to report being lonely and in poor health. A surprising survey of 20,000 Americans released on Tuesday shows. Well, maybe that's because they're constantly on Twitter panicking over the end of the world. <laughs> Who, young people? Yeah. Are they panicking how, over the end of the world, really? Look how college students talk on Twitter. It's like they, they honestly think that we're like right in the middle of World War Three, and mm-hmm. they can all be wiped out at any moment by, you know, the Do Nazis. Do they really? Well, I know that they thought that Korea, that North Korea was going to nuke us. Yeah, there's Nor- that. Mm-hmm. And North Korea never had the ability to get a nuke to the United States of America. Yeah, they thought North Korea was going, North Korea and America were going to end the world. They think yeah. the climate change is going to kill us all. Well, uh, they think that Russia is going to kill us all. They think that Trump's going to, there's just all, all they think about is, how the world is going to end. That, that uh, story that broke earlier this week where they said Israel found uh, one of the neighbors oh, yeah. that, to have weapons. Palestine, yeah. I think. And I had two young people tell me, oh, World War III is about to break out. Yep. God, like, calm they, down. It's, I just, I didn't have the wherewithal to try to explain. <laughs> you know what, sure. Steps sure, World go. War III said, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know. All right, if we take a break here, is Scott going to be ready to go? Yeah. Yep. Excellent. We'll be right back in just a couple of seconds. Scott Pally will join us right after this Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. 
If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a Flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at F-L-O-E-I-N-T-L dot com. Flow docks and lifts. A better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget... We're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the best of the Tom Bernard Show, brought to you by Brad Sean Bryant, or as he's known, the backup to my hard drive, every Saturday at noon for highlights from the past week and classic moments from our vault. Playing La Bamba. I'm just getting ready for tomorrow. That's true. Yes, Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow. Very good. Scott Paley with us, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing, Scott? Good. How about you? Marvelous. Are you going to celebrate uh, the four, May, May the Fourth be with you today, or Cinco de Mayo tomorrow, or the Kentucky Derby tomorrow? It's been a very. It's going to be a very busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's no no question about it. Well, always for me, have have to take care of the farm on the weekend, so. There's always that. Where do you have a farm? Asheville, North Carolina. Well, Nashville. Oh, Asheville is beautiful. Yeah, right on a, on a mountaintop. Right or on a hilltop, the... I guess you might say. It's not really a mountain. Oh, it's not really a mountain. It's a hilltop? Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at the mountains, but we have. it'd be better not to have a farm on a mountain. Cause that's <laughs> yeah, that's too. true. How yeah. far are you from the cashiers? Oh, I think it's probably about an hour and a half drive from yeah, there. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. People tell me that I would love to live in the cashiers. They go, Tom, you should move to the cashiers. It's You're, beautiful there. Yeah, and apparently really the people is. are all just kind of keep to themselves, and but they're nice. They're nice, but they're kind of like, yeah, okay. Very laid back. Yeah, I would say so. That's a good thing. There's no doubt about that. Scott Paley, author of Get It Together, Culture and Practical Tips to Be a Successful Adult. Yeah, we're not, uh, i got to agree with you, Scott, we're not doing that great a job of being successful adults because, why is that? We were just talking about, as a matter of fact, how no one can get along anymore, and if you don't agree with everything I say, I then hate you. And these are full-grown people saying things like this. What's that all about? Well, I don't know about, I think think things have gotten very polarized. I'm not sure that's, uh, I'm not sure that's, really all about being a successful adult i mean i think it's main mainly that uh that social media allow well this is something i learned a long time ago in sales a mouse becomes a lion over a million miles of phone line (laughs) (laughs) well that's very that's a very good point you know so you get people that can act like really big big tough people you know over the phone 
when they're anonymous, or even if they're not anonymous, the fact that you can yell at somebody over the phone um, because you're not standing in front of them. If you were standing in front of them, you likely would not do that. And with social media, it's it's even worse because there's no caller ID. So you can uh, you can make up a name and uh, and have an account and you can say almost anything and I, it just it's sad actually to me to see that people can't have conversations. Um, one thing I've learned I'm in a debate group and I did it uh, I've been in it probably about ten years now and I've learned that no matter what side you take and, and we get assigned even a side we don't agree with we get assigned whatever the group decides you're supposed to do you just have to pick that side Mm -hmm. and no matter what topic it is there are always two sides to the debate and and when you listen you think the first side you think okay i agree with that one and then the next person gets up and you go oh i agree with that one and it goes back and forth like that so if people realize that that people other people have good ideas and it's good to listen to them and try to come to some understanding of the whole topic, then I think that's really smart. And I just don't think people are taught about that anymore. I think you're absolutely right about that. Young people are far more likely than senior citizens to report being lonely and in poor health. A surprising survey of 20,000 Americans released Tuesday shows the overall national loneliness score was alarmingly high at 44 on a 20 to 80 scale. But the prevalence of social isolation among those ages 18 to 22 raises even more concern. The younger people, part of Generation Z, had loneliness scores of about 48 compared with nearly 39 for those 72 and older. Why are young people isolated and lonely? What is that all about? I think it's pretty obvious. It's easier to, it's easier to do a few clicks and a yeah. few uh, key strokes than it is to go out and actually leave the house and to um, spend time with people. It's way, way easier. And to, to post a picture and then put it online and then wait for people to like it, it just, it's so, it's such a quick thing. Yeah. And, and then we've been, I think folks nowadays are, are conditioned to look for those, that reassurance that that, whatever they put up, other people like or, or agree with and it's just it's just it's causing this problem and it's um i think that people realize that after a while one of my daughter's friends posted something on facebook the other day and he said i need some good friends <laughs> and there you go it, it i mean I, it was you know it was right after this thing came out and i thought well there you, you know that's it there you go and it's it's uh i i i think that what happens when you're young and you don't have the the perspective of age and time is that you do what everybody else does when you're that age and then gradually as things come up and you realize people aren't there for you the way you would expect them to be then you start getting an understanding of what a friend is but it's slow doing it that way um, compared to what it would have been in the past where you have a lot more interaction so i think everybody will come around to it it just they need to be taught um, by parents and educators, and you know. And I, I try to address that in my book when I, I have a section in there called "No Excuses, Friends," and it's what I call my friends, I, people that I spend a lot of time with. If they're not a no excuses friend, I don't, I don't spend time with them. I might know them, I might talk to right, them, but I'm right. not, they're not going to be one of those few people that I really, you know, I really care about. You know, it's really interesting, Scott, because most people now. Uh, they, they love to text rather than talk on the phone. So you well, get, they call that talking. Yeah, they do call that talking. You're right, but there's no intonation. There's no punctuation. But they don't use, they're supposed to, but they don't use it. So you can't really, you can't read the person's intent from a text in general. Also now, uh, my wife and I went to a function last night, and I have my entire life. It's the way I grew up in my neighborhood and in my family that when I, when I shake hands with a man or a woman, I tend to shake their hand with my left hand. I would put it on their shoulder or their arm. Well, you can't do that any longer because some people consider that to be far too personal and maybe even see it as a sexual thing. I mean, what is that? Yeah. I saw something the other day that I sent to my daughters, 
and it was uh, it was an article that said something of the order of chivalry is dead and women killed it. Hundred <laughs> percent true. I think that's I think that's what the title was, and and the point was that you know to me. I, one of the things that I did with my daughters is I used to take them on dates every Friday when they were in high school. Every Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, I would alternate weeks, and you know I'd take them on, I'd take them out, I'd hold the door for them, I'd buy them flowers for their birthday every year. Right. I, you know, I I tried to treat them the way I, I tried to teach them the way they should have somebody treat them with respect and and interest and things like that. But in, and I don't see that as being a terrible thing. I see that thing as being respectful. And, yes, you know, and I and, and and the fact that it's being made into a equality thing, I think, is sad because, in fact, uh, I think that article had a uh, that article had a telegram from a fella in the fifties that was a soldier, and he was coming back, and he was. He wrote this beautiful telegram to his betrothed, and you know one of the things that where are these people? Where are the Henrys? That's I think the guy's name was Henry. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was just a touching sort of um, sort of thing, and I, I I don't think that's a bad thing, honestly. Yeah, I mean my my wife uh, and I were discussing that. Uh, because I tend to be very open with people and very honest with people. She said, you should stop doing that. That, uh, you know, when they engage you in conversation, I don't talk about personal things. But I, you know, I like talking about my wife and my kids and all the rest of it. And, and uh, you know, actually touching people, which I guess is really, really a bad thing to do now. Mm-hmm. You know, like my friends would come in uh you know, JB, my friend, now for, what, 30 years? How long, how long has it been, JB? Oh, 32 years. 32 years. So I would see him. I'd hey, pat him on the back, go, hey, how you doing? You're not supposed to do that anymore. I just, uh, if, are we going to lose all human contact and become cyborgs? What are we, what are we headed toward here? You know, the, if you in business, you make rules for the weakest link, not the strongest. Mm-hmm. Or in laws, you make rules yep. for the weakest link, not the strongest. And right. What happens is you have people take advantage of things inappropriately, and then because that one person or those group of people do bad things, then everybody gets painted mm-hmm. with the same brush, and right. they get laws. Yep. That, yep. <laughs> the laws that you have to legislate common sense and good manners it's crazy that you have to have laws to legislate common sense and good manners but then that happens and then you've got lawsuits and all you know insurance issues and all these kind of things that have happened in our society which you know i don't think there's any going back from that but it is a shame i mean you shouldn't you shouldn't have to you know one of the things i put in the book is i talked about it has to do with interacting with others and mm-hmm. the point that i made was you always should consider the intent of the person before you get offended yes right because if if the person's not meaning to harass you or the person's not meaning to offend you and they're just being friendly or they're just being interested or whatever it is um ask them first what they meant by it right and give them a chance to apologize or to explain themselves or whatever it is before you get mad. You know, you're, you're perfectly in your rights to get mad and to do something about it or to fight back or to report it or whatever it is. But, but first give somebody a chance if it's not obvious. You know, I, you know there's some things that are just obvious. But in the case what you're, of what you're talking about with touching someone's shoulder while you shake hands, I've seen that done a, a bunch of times. I don't do that personally. Mm-hmm. But... But I've seen it done, and people have done it to me, and I don't think anything of it. But, I mean, I could see why some people would. And, I guess. And, you know, you could ask. You could at least ask. You know, it, it, it's just, uh, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a normal reaction for me, though, to do that I have to talk. I have to run it through my head to not do that. Otherwise, I'll just automatically do it because I've been doing it my yeah. whole life. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's not much we can do about it except, try to move with the times because some of those things are just never coming back. Yeah, they're never coming back. As a matter of fact, what I can do is read Get It Together, Cultural and Practical Tips, 
to be a successful adult. Maybe after all these years, I could become a successful adult <laughs> by catching on to some cultural. Do you have like a number one cultural and a number one practical tip to be a successful adult in the book? Well, I can just tell you how I set it up because okay. there's too Excellent. many things in there to actually do that. The first right. section is four sections. The first section deals with culture. So what kind of person should you be to be a successful adult? Because things open up for you if you're that kind of person. You're keeping commitments and right. honesty and all that. The second part deals with school, college, et cetera, tech schools, et cetera, and jobs, how to get a job. And Because if you're that kind of person, then the opportunities will open up for you. And then at least the third section, which deals with finances, and you won't have a much, much of a need to deal with the more advanced level of finances if you don't have a decent job. Right. And then the last part of it is how-tos of daily living. And one of the things for me personally, you know, and this is how do you get a lot of things done if you're busy? How can you actually accomplish a lot if you're, if you're a busy person? And so I have my own personal tips on how to do that, but it also includes how to get a roommate, how to rent an apartment, how to set up your kitchen and cook for yourself and buy a car, take care of it, et cetera. And everybody has to behave around you because you teach and learn Shaolin Kung Fu. So if they don't cooperate, <laughs> you'll have to beat them up. You know, one of the things about doing that is, it, is, is you, it's almost like you avoid any of those kind of situations. Sure. And it's really good to be calm, you know, and to be calm and to be more patient. I'm not a very patient person, um, but, uh, but it teaches you to try to be a little more relaxed about things because that's not the answer you know i think it's a great idea the book again is called get it together cultural and practical tips to be a successful adult scott paley it's p-a-l-y and the book is available everywhere sir on amazon and on my website getittogethertips.com fantastic thank you scott have a wonderful day sir thank you appreciate it bye absolutely what a nice man didn't he just come across as a great guy yes Somebody you'd want to hang around with, and then he'd whoop your ass in Kung Fu if he'd get out of line. It'd be unbelievable. It'd be good. We shall be back next week, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening this week, and we will talk to you on Monday. Tom Bernard Show.